Thanks for tuning in. One of the things that makes Outcasting and its related programming possible is financial support from listeners like you. Please visit us at outcastingmedia.org and click on support to make your tax-deductible contribution. Thanks. Hello and welcome to The Game Show, Outcasting's LGBTQ plus quiz show where we discuss the news, LGBTQ facts, and more. The format is very simple. Each contestant has prepared three questions on three separate topics and will take turns posing and discussing these questions with the other contestant. The person who correctly answers the most questions or cracks the best jokes is the official Outcasting Supreme Leader of LGBTQ facts and puns. Today's edition of Outcasting's Game Show is a smackdown between Isha and me, Justin. Hi Isha, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm pretty happy that the school year is coming to a close. Yeah, I know. We just have slightly over a month to go. Yep, I can't wait for it to be over. Yeah, junior year has been rough. Same here. Isha, why don't you get us started? Sure. A new study done by Johns Hopkins University examined countries where homosexuality is illegal and looked for correlations between the legality of homosexuality and rates of HIV infection. What did the study find? A. Men who have sex with men, we'll call them MSM, were 3.4 times less likely to have HIV than MSM in countries where homosexuality is legal. B. There's no correlation between prevalence of HIV and legal status of homosexuality. C. MSM are 4.6 times more likely to have HIV than MSM in countries where homosexuality is legal. Or D. MSM are just as likely to have HIV when compared to MSM in countries where homosexuality is legal. Okay, so I think I can knock off option B because I believe that there is some kind of correlation. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go with C. MSM are 4.6 times more likely to have HIV than MSN in other countries where homosexuality is legal. You are correct. The answer is C. God, that's really interesting. So this study was specifically looking at various sub-Saharan African countries, and the countries where there was no criminalization for homosexuality were Burkina Faso, Cote d'Ivoire, and Rwanda. Interesting. I feel like it's probably correlated with those countries' lack of same-sex education. Yeah, definitely. And I think we see this in a very different way in the United States. I wouldn't be able to speak on the prevalence of HIV and the lack of sex education in the United States, but I know that there's a big correlation between states who don't teach proper sex education and states who have the highest teen pregnancy rates. And we've seen that in states where sex education is really stressed and it's really considered important, there are actually less abortions. And so I think that there is definitely a correlation, as you said. I think this study is really important because it teaches us that in countries where homosexuality is illegal, people are actually 4.6 times more likely to contract HIV. And that shows us that if homosexuality were to be legal in these countries, then they would probably have a much lower HIV rate. I definitely agree. So Isha, let's move on to my first question. March 31st is known as the Trans Day of Visibility. And on that day this year, a state in the South banned the gay and trans panic defense. Which state was it? Was it A, Texas, B, Virginia, C, Florida, or D, Mississippi? I'm going to be honest. I actually have no idea. So I'm going to go with D, Mississippi. You are incorrect. The correct answer was B, Virginia. 
The gay and trans panic defense is a defense often used by defendants who are accused of violent crimes in which they said the victim's sexual orientation or gender identity made them panic. So say somebody assaults somebody, they could use the defense that their sexual orientation or gender identity made them panic or frighten them. And until March 31st, in Virginia, people were able to use that defense in courts and legally say that because of this person's identity, I felt threatened, which is so wrong. Yeah, I think it's really amazing that the South is making strides with LGBTQ rights. I definitely agree, Isha. And I think that this defense is somebody who assaulted somebody or did something to somebody and attempts to blame the victim and says that because of your identity, I felt threatened. And it's because of that reason I attacked you or I did this. I think that's very wrong. It doesn't make any sense just because you cannot blame someone for an act that is committed against them if they've done nothing wrong. And you can't blame someone for the way they are. To look at the score now, I have one point and Isha has zero. So Isha, why don't you start with your second question? Okay, sure. A member of the South Dakota House of Representatives called Fred Deutsch has a regrettable history of supporting anti-trans bills. In 2016, he sponsored a bill requiring trans people to use restrooms that align with their sex assigned at birth and introduced a bill that would punish medical professionals for treating non-cisgender youth. This year, Deutsch sponsored a bill providing that a person's sex as recorded on their birth certificate can't be changed if the person later comes to self-identify as trans. What was the South Dakota legislature's response to his proposal? A. The bill was passed by all 13 representatives. B. The bill was rejected on a 7-6 vote. Or C. The bill was initially passed, then repealed. I'm going to have to go with B. The bill was rejected on a 7-6 to six vote because I feel like if it was passed or initially passed and then repealed, I would have definitely heard about it in some kind of organization or some kind of um, news site or something like that. So I'm going to go with B. You are correct. The answer is B. The bill was rejected on a 7-6 to six vote. I'm definitely happy that the bill was rejected, but I'm not as happy to hear that it was a 7-6 to six vote. I was hoping that it'd be more of an overwhelming majority, not such a close call. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think it's super troubling just in the fact that this was even proposed as a bill. And the fact that it was proposed and it got some kind of support scares me even more. I think it's extremely scary to know that there are actually people who are still trying to limit LGBTQ equality even today. I feel like as the LGBTQ community, we've made so many strides and so many steps forward, but then now there are people still actively trying to force us to take steps back and limit what we can do. Yeah, definitely. I think why this is so surprising to us is because that we tend to surround our people who believe in LGBTQ rights, but we don't realize that there are so many people that just don't agree with us and our way of thinking. And with that, why don't we move on to my second question? Arkansas recently passed the Save Adolescents from Experimentation Act, also known ironically as the SAFE Act. And many LGBTQ advocates and activists have stated how harmful this act would be if it was passed. What is the purpose of the SAFE Act? Is it A, banning conversion therapy for queer teens in Arkansas? Is it B, stopping young transgender teens from receiving gender-related medical attention, including hormone treatment and or surgery? C, Stop all forced entries, referring to police forcibly entering your house, or is it D, restricting pro-LGBTQ books from being circulated in schools and libraries? Well, I think I can definitely eliminate C, stop all forced entries, referring to police forcibly entering your house, just because I don't think that really pertains specifically to LGBTQ rights. 
I think I can definitely eliminate A, banning conversion therapy for queer teens in Arkansas, just because in the question it said that LGBTQ advocates said that the SAFE Act was harmful for LGBTQ people and banning conversion therapy would be a good thing. So I think I'm going to go with D, restricting pro-LGBTQ books from being circulated in schools and libraries, because I feel like the people who are trying to pass this act think that this will cause teens to experiment. And in this case, I think experiment means kind of like engaging in same-sex relationships. That is incorrect. The correct answer is B, stopping young transgender teens from receiving gender-related medical attention, including hormone treatment and or surgery. I think it's super troubling to know that people would try and stop young transgender teens from receiving gender-related medical attention just because in your teen years, you're already going through so much and that's kind of like the stress from school, friends, society. And when you're LGBTQ, that's so much harder. And I'm not trans, so I can't even compare my experiences to someone who's trans. But I know that a lot of trans people go through so much dysphoria when they feel like their bodies don't really align with what their gender identity is. And so by banning teens from fully embracing their gender orientation, you're just causing so much dysphoria and that can lead to a plethora of mental health issues. And I know that trans people are one of the minorities that have the highest suicide rates. And so this is just like even more troubling that people are actively trying to pass this act that can kind of like stop them from embracing their gender identity. And the advocate reports a rash of teen suicide attempts have taken place since this law was enacted. It's really sad that these politicians and these people in power are not listening and not seeing how much damage they're truly doing to the young trans community. Yeah, I just think it's so ironic that the same people who are pushing acts like the SAFE Act are the same people who claim to be pro-life. But when they're teenagers who are killing themselves because these acts are limiting their basic rights as human beings, they simply don't care just because they're LGBTQ. Yep. And with that, the score is Isha Zero. And I have two points. So Isha, how about your next question? Yeah, sure. LGBTQ people often face discrimination when they're trying to find housing. According to the National Center for Transgender Equality, up to one in five transgender people face discrimination when applying for housing. And according to the United States Department of Housing and Urban Development, landlords prefer straight couples over gay couples by 16%. How did President Joe Biden and his administration respond to this issue? A. The Biden administration did not directly address this issue, but focused instead on a multitude of other LGBTQ issues, like reversing the Trump-Pence transgender military ban. B. There are already federal laws in place to ensure fair housing for all people, regardless of sexual orientation and gender identity. C. In a presidential memorandum, Biden stated that laws to ensure fair housing for all people regardless of sexual orientation and gender identity are under the jurisdiction of individual states and districts, but he strongly urged that these areas pass legislation for equal housing. Or D. The Department of Housing and Urban Development stated that people are protected from housing discrimination by federal law and that the Fair Housing Act also covers discrimination based on one's LGBTQ status. I think I can knock off B and D, and I think that I'm going to have to go with the A, that the Biden administration did not directly address the issue, but then focused on other LGBTQ issues like the transgender military ban. The answer was actually D. The Department of Housing and Urban Development stated that people are protected from housing discrimination by federal law 
and that the Fair Housing Act also covers discrimination based on one's LGBTQ status. That's really good to hear. Do you have more info on that? Yeah, I think that this was a really important step taken by the Biden administration, just because you never really think about the correlation of being LGBTQ and getting proper housing. And people can basically file complaints. And this holds landlords accountable for being discriminatory against LGBTQ people. That's great to hear. And why don't we get started with my last question? There are many different laws and rulings being decided every day, and it's no different for South Dakota. What did the executive order Governor Christy Noem say would be a basis for what qualifies a real woman in K-12 sports? Is it A, a contract signed by the athlete, their parent, and the head coach assuring the school that the player is indeed a female? B, a signed document from the student's pediatrician? C, the sex assigned at birth as stated on the student's birth certificate? Or is it D, how the student dresses and what gender her mannerisms reflect? I think that the answer is C, the sex assigned at birth as stated on the student's birth certificate. I know that South Dakota is not really the most trans-friendly state, and so I feel like, especially with minors, they would probably want to see an athlete's sex assigned at birth. That is correct. And when Governor Noem faced backlash, she claimed that she was a victim of cancel culture and that she was getting attacked because of her viewpoints. I think it's so backwards for her to come out here and play victim when the things that she says are clearly hurting trans youth. I definitely agree. Yeah, this question of yours really reminded me of a discussion that I had with someone last week. This person and I were basically debating on whether trans people can play as a gender they identify. So for instance, whether a trans girl can play in a girl's division of a particular sport. And they were basically on the side that trans people should not be allowed to play as a gender they identify as, but rather as their sex assigned at birth. Interesting. I had a very similar conversation about trans people in sports with my current events class. And a lot of the students in that in my class were very receptive and very positive and wanted trans youth and trans people to be able to play with the gender they identify as. So trans women playing with other women. And they were very positive and they were talking about how they believe that your gender identity is who you are and who you identify as. So there should be no discussion whether or not you should be able to play with people of your same gender identity in sports. It's really nice to hear how receptive your class was. What I found really interesting about the debate that I had with this person was that they were saying that trans girls may have an advan- an unfair advantage in these sports because they were born as boys. And the thing with that argument that I found kind of backwards was that in sports, there's no way to make them completely fair just because you cannot account for all the differences that people have. Because imagine separating people based on height for basketball. You can't just have a league made up of 5'2" girls who weigh 105 pounds. It doesn't work like that. There's just like no way you can simply account for all of these differences in people. And they're just like bound to be advantages just based on the way that people are born. So I just don't understand why you can pick on trans people. I've never heard the perspective before. And it makes me really look at the issue from a different lens and see how it may be an advantage. It may not be, but then there are a bunch of unaccounted for disadvantages and advantages. I feel like that's a very crucial and good point. And with that, Isha ends the game with one point, and I end with two. Which makes me the official outcasting supreme leader of LGBTQ facts and puns. Congratulations, Justin. You put up a good fight. Thank you. You did too. I really liked your topics that you covered. Yeah, me too. I feel like I learned a lot from your questions. 
Thank you for being the guest on this game show, Isha. Thanks for having me, Justin. If you enjoyed this edition of the Outcasting Game Show, please make your tax-deductible contribution today. We can't do programs like this without your support. To make your donation, please visit us at outcastingmedia.org. Thanks.